Welcome to the Handjam Ran Show, the audacious podcast by Hannah Rankin. Hello, and thank you for tuning in again to this week's episode. I found last week's episode to be extremely profound and invigorating, really, with Daniel Edmonds. It was an especially long conversation because we covered so much ground and Daniel just had so many insightful and wonderful points of view to share. Um, So I thought this week I would do a slightly shorter version of the format and instead of interviewing someone exquisite and trying to keep the conversation brief which I find probably the most challenging part of doing this podcast I thought instead I would just well actually I thought I might not do one this week but when I set out to do this podcast My goal was to put out an episode every week and I really want to keep to that. And I was moaning to a friend that I wasn't sure whether to leave it a week or what I would do. And she said to me, I wait for every Monday to (laughs) plug in and listen to your voice when I go for a morning walk on the beach because she still lives in Sydney, lucky thing. Um, And so she told me I had no choice. I I had to record something. So if you find this terribly self-indulgent, then you can submit all of your complaints to her. Just write to me and I will happily pass on her details. (laughs) So I apologise that it's only me this week, but I... Here I am. I'm going to ramble on at you. Um... I just moved house yesterday and have been unpacking my bookshelves, which I was, once I'd done the kitchen so that I could feed myself, it was the first thing that I rushed to unpack. So I've semi-prepared in my head kind of the topics that I'm going to cover, but I pulled out three books that have either a daily reading or one is called Inspiration for Artists that my mum gave me in my Christmas stocking years ago. And it's got quotes from all uh, a plethora of famous artists. And actually, I opened it randomly. Well, I've opened each of them randomly. Um, and read this lovely quote from Claude Monet. It's on strength of observation and reflection that one finds a way. So we must dig and delve unceasingly. And... I have to say that really resonates because I am a very reflective person and I really, perhaps too much, try and observe both, um, I guess, my societal surroundings and my personal environment and then also try to be self-aware without being uh, self-absorbed. So, yeah, I thought Monet's quote there was kind of perfect to get me going on this week's recording. And then 
the second book I opened was is called The Promise of a New Day, a book of daily meditations. And on August the 2nd, which it is as I record, it reads, old folks, and here I'm talking about myself, need more than anything else to feel they are needed, that they have a purpose in life. I, breaking that down to my understanding of the way that we are as people, I understand we need purpose, but the expression to say that more than anything else to feel needed, I ultimately think that any circumstance, any feeling, any emotion can be, any worry can be broken down kind of into two binary constructs, one being fear and one being love and I do believe that they are the opposite of each other and I've spent time analysing what my core fears are so that I can be aware of when they're rearing their ugly heads and fueling perhaps my decision making process and try to extinguish them essentially by choosing the loving option which is often far more scary than the fearful one the fearful one will allow you to hide under the duvet cover or to turn the other way to turn a blind eye to stick your head in the sand whereas the loving action often requires some courage um, which doesn't always come easily but the end result is definitely worth it so coming back to that quote of need more than anything else to feel they are needed when I was looking at my core fears to better understand yeah what what drives much of my decision making um I wrote a list of fears and then I tried to sort of break them down break them down break them down to find the simplest one line that explained where all of my subsequent fear stems from and what I found was that my core fear is a fear of not being seen fully so I've always felt, especially as a teenager, I really felt, and, and in my early 20s, I really felt that people only saw one side of me. And as women, as human beings, we are so multifaceted. There are so many layers that build a personality, a soul, a being. And to feel that you're only being seen just for one of those is really limiting. It's belittling, it's patronizing, it's diminishing, and it's just trying to keep you quiet and in this one box is how I felt. At school, I just didn't feel seen by my teachers. I didn't I didn't feel that they saw what made me Hannah. And I didn't fit into the mould that they were trying to force me to fit into. And so, you know, there was a real friction. Um, And yeah, I guess that core fear has played out in many other ways through adolescence, through adulthood thus far. Um, And the way that I counteract that, I think, is by seeing myself fully. So I now have a really comprehensive understanding of who I am as a woman and what I stand for, what I believe in, what I'm passionate about, what I enjoy. 
And for a long time, I genuinely didn't even know those things. I knew that I had, as you will have gathered from previous episodes, um, a strong opinion on things. And I knew that there was a strong sense of activism within my heart. I always knew that I loved fashion. So therefore I was, and, and actually photography I loved. So that that kind of surmised my creative aspect and I thought that I was a mushy (laughs) uh emotional sensitive loving person um if you know me personally you'll know that I'm a lot with my love I love loudly um but I kind of just saw myself in those three ways but actually there's so much more to any one person than three finite um characteristics so I for me the journey really began when I um stopped drinking because I felt that a I had a lot more time on my hands by not propping up bars um so I was able to do different things um but I also had more clarity to observe different parts of myself. And over that time, I really worked on building a self-esteem rather than an ego. So my understanding of the difference between those two, and forgive me, I might have said this in the first episode of this podcast, but my understanding of a self-esteem versus an ego is that an ego is essentially this very fragile, penetrable, bubble that encases us and I imagine it as the most fragile of glass so it really it really requires space for an ego to move through this world but also if one person one comment derails that ego it just shatters immediately and that's when we become defensive or hurt um Whereas the self-esteem is built over time and it is sturdy and reliable and substantial. And I view that as a brick wall. So every esteemable action that I do, I add another brick to the wall of my self-esteem. And I can lean on that wall when I'm feeling weak. I can rely on its strength and um, it can't be blown down by someone else's perception or comment it's too strong to be shattered easily um so to circle back to how I became to love myself as a woman it was through doing esteemable actions for others so I guess what I learned in that process was that whenever I feel wobbly or confused or fearful, to bring it back to what we were talking about at the start, whenever I'm feeling fearful for whatever reason, I try to do an act of service. So I try to be of service to someone else and it immediately takes me off myself. So it stops me from becoming so wrapped up in my own problem or my own fear and 
it's kind of really simply a diversion tactic, but you know how people say there's no such thing as a selfless deed because if you do something kind to someone else, you immediately feel good. So there is a selfish agenda. I completely believe that, but I don't see a problem in it. And actually just having a shift of perspective is really powerful. So if you're, well, I'll speak for myself. If I am feeling down on myself and that life is really difficult for me, just taking the time to call someone that maybe I know is going through a difficult time or even that isn't and just really genuinely and thoroughly ask them, how are you? And let them tell the tales of their current woes. It immediately gives perspective that A, I'm not the only person on this planet having a difficult time. Most of us are at some point during the day. And it might even make my problems feel smaller. Now that's not to say that I revel in other people's issues, but you know there will always be someone worse off truthfully and there will always be someone better off so I try not to compare and despair but having that sort of perspective shift can be really powerful and simply it's you know just being of service just checking in with someone and you can or I try to take that a step further and then just do little small things and I think I talked about it on the episode with Paige where it could be things that aren't so, um, <clears throat> I don't know, emotion-based, although it isn't everything. Um, but if there's been a time in my uh, mid-twenties where I just felt like I was just living week by week, I couldn't save, I just felt frustrated, I knew my friends back home were earning so much more than me, and yeah, I was feeling really financially bereft, um and one day I was feeling particularly skint and there are so many homeless people in every cosmopolitan city I've ever been to in the western world um and there are in Sydney too so I went and bought a homeless person a burger and fries and then went home and made myself a cheap and easy dinner but I immediately felt richer I felt more affluent because again it's just that perspective shift to think of another person's circumstance made me feel privileged and took me off myself and I you know bonus I got that sort of glow of (laughs) having done a nice thing um so yeah completely not selfless totally selfish so from we've come from a place of fear understanding our core fear or my core fear sorry and discussing this quote about feeling needed that desire to feel needed so putting that into the perspective of fear not feeling seen not feeling worthy not feeling needed how do we counteract that through self-esteem how do we build a self-esteem through esteemable actions how do we do esteemable actions essentially just be of service to others Um, and the second part is having a purpose in life. Well, I could argue, isn't that the ultimate purpose, being of service? I don't know, I think it probably is. I might have to end there, no. (laughs) Um, finding purpose. I think 
we can really have a sense of disappointment if our sense of purpose is not fulfilled through our position of employment and I actually dare to contest that because I've found purpose through my creativity so I picked up a paintbrush at age hmm, it's a couple of months shy of turning 26 and I hadn't picked up a paintbrush since I was 16 and did my RA level because my art teacher had actually tried to persuade me not, oh no, art A-level, art GCSE, um, and she had asked me not to take art GCSE, she said, why don't you wait till sixth form and just do photography, you know, which wasn't great for the old self-esteem or ego, um, but I pushed on, and I did do it, I got a B, I think, but she really made me feel not worthy of creating art, which I think is really sad, um, but anyway, I picked up a paintbrush about four years ago and um, it just set off something inside of me and I felt like I'd found a purpose. I'd found a, it was a real meditative, is a real meditative state for me when I'm creating something. And look, I'm not, I'm highly unlikely to become a professional artist, but it took me to studying a master's of fine art when I picked fell really ill and as I was getting better I started working part-time and then I had the space to commence a master's and that was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life to do to pursue further education with no agenda my only reason for being there was a thirst for learning and I'd never given myself that opportunity when I was going through school or really even in my doing my bachelor's at school I was angry (laughs) I was just so angry at the world so even if it was a subject I loved I really felt I couldn't even apply myself because I was so pissed off at everyone and then when I did my first degree I was very much doing it to get that qualification and I did enjoy it I did um find some sense of accomplishment and I felt proud of myself um but it wasn't the same as doing it with no agenda and doing it with no expectation on the end result um and actually my my marks are the best I've ever had which just goes to show how powerful joy is um so yeah my purpose and then in even in doing this you know this podcast it's not for any financial gain it's or clout or you know accolade it's purely for the joy of or I guess it's for indulging a sense of purpose through conversation and through connection I find connection with other human beings extremely powerful and a huge driver in everything I do and everything I seek and it's a real privilege to have an excuse to contact some inspirational people and have really beautiful impactful conversations and you know I'm so grateful to all my guests for even the effect they've just had on me simply and to receive messages from others that it's uh connected with or affected in a positive way has been wow it's been incredible and so 
you know, those are two ways. And I, I have to add also writing. I write a lot. Um, never been published anywhere. Actually, that's not true. I had a fashion column in my uni newspaper when I was like 21. Um, I had two articles and I still have those papers. But since then, I've never been published anywhere. Um, but I write a lot and I find that this, you know, the same as painting. I find it really, um, it's kind of like prayer to me. It's just this really beautiful, special one-on-one time with myself. Um, yeah. So my purpose is nothing to do with financial gain or a career really. Um, I do find purpose at work as well because in keeping with my ambition to be of service to others, I had a real shift of mentality about work when I kind of had that clarity about being of service. And I realized, this is gonna sound silly, but I'd kind of swanned through my previous jobs um, thinking that they owed me something like, you're lucky I showed up and you know if I if I do any more than that then it's a bonus um and when I had this shift in perspective that actually I am there to provide a service they don't have to pay me for showing up they have to pay me as an exchange for the service that I provide and when I kind of realized that it was like a bit of an epiphany and it really changed the trajectory of my career because I suddenly realized I mean I had a job to do which probably sounds so obvious but it it really took for that shift in mentality to allow me to find a sense of purpose at work to bring something to the table um so yeah I think purpose is really it is really important and I understand why it's sought but I also I think it can be found in the less obvious places. Okay, so I actually pulled out four books and the fourth is a poetry book. And I have to be honest, I've only read one poem from it. But I wanted to share, it's a very personal story, um, but share with you how I came to own this particular book. So... I, as you can probably tell from just my ramblings thus far in this episode, um, I got to a point where I made some really big changes in my life and they were mental, spiritual and physical changes, which to me is the, the trifecta of a person, of our health I try and look at sustaining my my being through those three paradigms and when I started to prioritize the mental spiritual and physical aspects of me it required a real spring clean a deep a deep clean actually a deep deep clean of uh all crevices and corners and locked cupboards within my soul and um it required a lot of change a lot of change a lot of reflection actually to go back to Monet a lot of observation and reflection and I did dig and delve unceasingly 
Um, and about mm, six months into this process, I went, I was living in Sydney and I flew up to Cairns, which for those that may not be familiar is a more tropical part of Australia. It's in North Queensland, so a different state from Sydney. And my beautiful cousin, who's kind of like a big sister, but beautiful, my beautiful cousin, uh, was living there for a year. So I went to stay with her um, over New Year's. I went, I flew up on Boxing Day and I came back on maybe even, oh, maybe the 2nd of Jan. Um, and while we were there, she took me on so many beautiful escapades. So first day we were out on a boat in Port Douglas. Another day she took me, <laughs> this is... At the time, this was everything my heart desired, but she took me to a coffee and chocolate museum, which had uh, a coffee factory, I think, and also like every version of a chocolate that you could possibly imagine, and you got to go around taste testing. I mean, it was incredible. Anyway, I don't have uh, caffeine. (laughs) I don't have coffee anymore, but it was the most epic day. And anyway, so we completely gorged ourselves on beautiful coffee and far too many chocolates although I would caveat that and say there's no such thing and then we went for a drive to find some savoury food uh, for lunch and stopped in this tiny tiny little town I mean I'd even go and say it's a village um, which if you haven't been to North Queensland, the only way I can describe it is like a bit of a hillbilly town you might have seen in films set in America. Um, it's, you know, it's not cosmopolitan. It's nothing like a city. Um, and it's really sweet and quaint and insular, um, which has its pros and cons. Con being that it had very few vegetarian or vegan options. Actually, I can't have been vegan then. I think I was I was trying to be vegan. <laughs> Obviously not with the chalk. Um, and so we had, yeah, a, a sandwich, I think. And then went for a wonder. And we found this enormous secondhand bookshop. And it was so, so beautiful. It was just aching with the weight of all these secondhand books it was just so cool for a book nerd like me and I'm really very sentimental uh and I wanted to just buy a book not just because I love books but just to mark the occasion just have something to remember this beautiful day by um so I lapped this shop round and round and round and I stopped at the feminism section and thought hmm yeah like let me try and spot a feminist I've heard of and 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 do some reading on her and I searched my eyes scurrying across the bookshelves and I couldn't find <laughs> I couldn't find any that stood out to me or any that I even recognized okay maybe not the feminism mm, art I'm getting really into my art now let's see if there are any artists I recognise that I could read about. Mm, they're kind of more um, Renaissance art or, you know, centuries old artists. And it's not really my bag. Um, a bit more contemporary than that. Okay, so maybe not the art. 
how about a classic? And I looked through and looked through and the only ones that stood out to me, I already have. Okay. So I kept going around and I actually revisited those sections over and over. And then poetry. Okay, how romantic to buy a poetry book. And I'm scanning, I'm scanning. And then my eyes land on this disheveled red book that has no sleeve, um, which I assume it must have had once in its time because it's got no cover. Well, it's got a, a, a hardback cover, but it's got nothing on it. But on its spine, it says, The Secret Key. Now, I have a tattoo that reads The Secret Key on my left ribs. And it obviously <laughs> shouted out to me as soon as I read it because, um, because of that connection. So I bought it. I think, oh, I can have a look. It was $10, which is about five pounds, well, with the current exchange rate, about six pound eighty, but, um, so I bought it without actually reading anything, but its pages are beautifully yellowed and, but all intact, and the font type is of a bygone era, um, and when I got home, I opened the front cover, and it says, it's got a stamp, a library stamp that says cancelled Willara Library. And at the time where I lived in Sydney was honestly about 500 metres from the Willara Library. <laughs> so it just felt so serendipitous to stumble across this poetry book and I bought it. And I had purposefully gone to stay with my cousin over New Year's because it was my first New Year's Eve after this sort of big endeavour to make great change in my life and I just I didn't want to be in the city I don't I've not had the best run with New Year's I've either had breakups or arguments or I don't know what else has happened I've just had disastrous New Year's Eves to be honest I you know gotten locked out like just drama 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 so this time I decided kind of to boycott it so my cousin and I we I think we went out for a beautiful dinner and then we were in bed before midnight but we got up at gosh I think 4 30 and maybe five um and we went to this empty beach and watched the sunrise on 1st of January and it was incredible I must have taken like I don't know close to 150 photos um and just to see the first sunrise of the year was really heartwarming. Um, and then I went home after having this beautiful spiritual, um, I guess, connection with nature. Um, and my journey with spirituality had been sparked by this new chapter in my life but it was something that I was still really uncovering. I mean, probably will forever be uncovering, but I was definitely, uh, I had dipped my toe in the spirituality water and I was probably about up to my thighs <laughs> by this point. Um, I hadn't fully immersed myself in that ocean yet, but I was on my way, well on my way. So we got home and I... I think maybe my cousin was eating or getting redressed or I don't know 
Anyway, I was by myself outside in the scorching sun at about 10 a.m. And I was having a cup of tea, an Earl Grey and a Siggy as was my favorite combo when I still smoked. Um, And I sat out with my beautiful new book and opened it up to read the eponymous poem called The Secret Key. And as I read it, tears ran down my face and I never ever will forget that moment. So I'm gonna read it to you and then I will explain why it hit me where it hurts. The Secret Key. There is a magic kingdom of strange powers, thought hidden, lit by other stars than ours. And when a wanderer through its mazes brings word of things seen, men say, a poet sings. Its gates are guarded in a sterile land, mountain and deep morass and shifting sand. Storm barred are they and may not opened be, save by the hand that finds the secret key. That key, some say, lies in the sunset glow, or the white arc of dawn, or where the flow of some lone river stems the shoreward wave in shuddering silver on its ocean grave. Some say that when the wind wars with the sea, in that stern music, one may find the key, or in green glooms of forests, where the pine uplifts her spear amid great wreaths of vine, or where the steaming mists white rollers climb, the dark ravine and precipice sublime. A filmy sea that twines and intertwines, wreaths the low hills and veils the mighty lines of sovereign mountains crimsoned and aglow in crystal pomp crested with jeweled snow. But still, with souls of fire, men seek that land and die in deep morass and shifting sand. To those alone its iron gates are free who find within their hearts the secret key. For earth with all the colour of her day is not their country that lies far away. It's just so powerful. So essentially what I took from that poem, and I'm by no means a literary master at all, but what I took is that we spend so much of our life seeking this magical answer that will soothe the pain inside and we're seeking it externally we're traveling through treacherous land and through hardship and creating just more tumultuous scenarios for ourselves over and over just trying to find this solution but little do we know that it's in our heart the secret key to the promised land, to heaven, to a state of enlightenment, it's right there in our heart. So yeah, that really impacted me and I'll just never forget that trip, I'll never forget the moment I bought the book, I'll never forget the reading of it for the first time and the fact that it's changed the meaning entirely for me for my tattoo which I find happens with all of my tattoos they all start off meaning one thing and over time 
they developed to mean totally different but wonderfully beautiful things to me um yeah it's cool how that happens so to conclude I've shared with you the beginnings of my journey with spirituality and my understanding of the human plight being one between fear and love and another time I will share with you how I've seen the power of love take place um I've seen it save lives and for now I will leave you with that gorgeous poem and invite you to the next time you're feeling fearful or the next time you're not sure whether to turn left or right or you're having difficulty making a decision just break it down what's the fearful option and what's the loving option and you'll know it's all there okay this is completely far too mushy for half of you so I will stop before I lose you as a listener forever um I hope you took something from that and next week we will be back with another invigorating conversation it won't just be me I promise but for now I ask you to do three things for me which I appreciate endlessly so one subscribe rate and review to the podcast I just love it when it happens when you guys do it it feels good um number two send it to a friend share any of the episodes that have spoken to you with someone that you think it will impact positively as well um I think I'm going to do a little recap of the episode so far next week so make sure you tune in in case there's any that you've missed that you think that I might uh be able to succinctly haha yeah right um whet your appetite for and third and final ask is to come follow me at handjamran on instagram and just send me a message let me know what your thoughts have been on previous episodes and even this one um and yeah let's chat i'll reply to everyone i love hearing people's own experiences that have um they've been reminded of from an episode from a conversation from a comment and it always surprises me which parts speak to which people i there's obviously there's sections of the conversations that really stick with me and then someone will write to me and say this part that i had completely forgotten was even said made them cry and that is the most rewarding beautiful motivator to keep going so i'll be back with you next week and as i said blame my friend if you found this completely (laughs) self-indulgent talk to you next week